What's up, everybody? You're listening to Cinephiles Digest. This is episode 120. And featured reviews on this week's show are going to be Wes Anderson's new film, Asteroid City, as well as the R-rated comedy from everyone's favorite, Jennifer Lawrence, No Hard Feelings. Should be some fun discussions. We'll get into that shortly, and we'll talk about what else we've been watching. But before we do, let me introduce my co-host, Travis. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Matthew. How's it going? Oh, pretty good. We, uh, you know, did some uh, offline uh, Pokemon Go chatting. We won't bore the listeners too much with it, but I think it's safe to say we're both uh, heavily back into Pokemon Go. Yeah. It's back. We're back. It's huge. <laughs> I went to uh, uh, this past weekend. I went to a Mariners game with Trey, and we took the light rail. Um, oh man! Which, for listeners who don't know, is like a like it sounds like a light train basically that goes all the way from Northgate, which is in Seattle, all the way down like past the airport. And uh, the people that were sitting right next to us at the back of the tram saw us playing Pokemon Go and like wanted to exchange friend codes. These fucking nerds, so husband and wife combo, they literally have been playing since 2016 with no breaks. Damn. Like have not stopped. And they were like just got a day away from the kids. He said they got four kids. So they just like got a wild hair up their ass and were like, you want to go to the Mariners game? And they did. So... Uh, Trey and uh, the dad were just like talking each other's ears off for like 20 minutes and I was just like caught in the middle like fucking shoot me because they're like you know we may like Pokemon Go but they really like Pokemon Go so pretty annoying but you know it's back back in a big way well I should just say that I got back into it thinking I could do it casually and um very quickly learning that you, well, at least I cannot play this game casually. <laughs> the problem... Like, it takes over you... my life. It just, <laughs> well, the problem with playing it casually is that it's just fucking boring if you're only playing it casually, you know? Like, right. I've done it, I've, like, reinstalled the app and, like, gotten back into it sporadically over the years, but I always lose interest because I just, like say all like oh you know I'll, I'll pull it up when i'm walking around and like catch random pokemon but like that's boring yeah. you know you if get you're not grinding fast. for something what's the point exactly you gotta be going <laughs> to all the gyms you gotta be getting those coins upgrading that pokemon storage anyway i need to catch a ditto <laughs> that's what i need to do <laughs> that's your current goal yes that's the challenge i'm stuck on yeah it's rough out it's there. Yep. <laughs> right, that's enough Pokemon Go talk, though. Um, what else has been going on? Anything to report? Lots of life has been going on. Mm. Been doing, uh, going on quite a few trips. Went to. Was I? Did we do a podcast before or after I went to Texas? Do you remember? Did you recently go to Texas again? Or no. uh, I think we recorded one after you had been okay. to Texas. Yeah. Went to uh, Beyond Wonderland at the Gorge uh, about a month ago now, actually. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, some unfortunate circumstances occurred. That was brutal. Yeah, 
uh, when I saw that, I was uh, pretty bummed out for you guys. Obviously, all parties involved, I was bummed out for. But yeah, I know you and uh, Kyle had had that in the in the works for a long time. So when I saw they canceled mm-hmm. the second day of the festival, I was like, "Damn, that sucks." Probably we for the best, have, though. But still, I, like that sucks. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Uh, we did have a great time, though, and we did get a little bit more party than we. Well, not that we anticipated, because we anticipated a full second day and we didn't get one, but <laughs> we did get a little bit of the pre-party action on Friday, and we did not plan on that, so that was kind of a blessing. <laughs> nice. That's good, at least. Um, but yeah, beyond that, just uh, got back from Chelsea's family retreat, her annual family retreat. That was a lot of fun. Uh, pretty standard, you know compared to the other years but uh her aunt her aunt has a pool now at her lake house so that's a nice little upgrade Ooh, very nice and um we played some three-on-three volleyball that was pretty intense and fun uh it was a nice uh breakup from just going to the beach every day that's typically what we fill our time with there is going right. to the beach and then um, this weekend, I'm going to Chicago slash Michigan. Oh, nice. I don't think I knew that. How long? Just just for like a doing like a four-day weekend type thing? Or how long are you going to uh, be there? Yeah, long weekend. Spending a couple days in Chicago and a couple days in Michigan. Hell yeah. That'll be fun. Anything in particular planned? Mostly hanging out with friends. I am seeing nice. Barbie in Chicago, though. Oh, nice. Saving Oppenheimer for when I get back to Seattle. Yeah, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a huge episode when we do that one. Are you seeing? Are you, you're planning on seeing Mission Impossible? I'm assuming, right? Or have you already seen it? Uh, I plan to see it, but I don't know when I'm going to see it. Yeah, it's been very busy for me lately. Mm-hmm. Well, at minimum, we'll have a we'll have a big episode for Barbie. Oppenheimer. It'll be a little late just because, uh, as you just said, you got plans and are seeing Oppenheimer a little later, but that'll probably be the next uh, mainline episode. So that'll be, uh, I know all the listeners are dying to hear our thoughts on (laughs) Oppenheimer and Barbie. So it should be huge. Oh, yeah. And then uh, one last thing I'll drop now that it's uh, been announced to the public, Facebook official. Uh, Chelsea is pregnant, and we are expecting our first child at the end of the year. Oh, yeah. Finally. The world knows. Huge. Yes, that is huge. That is part of the reason for uh, all of my busyness lately. Got to get it in while I can. This is it. Yeah. (laughs) Life will look different. Very different. Next year. Podcast might look different. Hopefully I can uh, manage both duties. I mean, I really hope Paris isn't planning on becoming a dad anytime soon because uh, my, my <laughs> co-hosts are dropping like flies around here. <laughs> um, yeah, well, we'll figure we'll figure it out. But uh, very excited for you. And um, yeah, lots of life changes coming up, but they're going to be uh, good ones. Indeed. Oh, real Real quick, I have to tell a little story. Um, mm-hmm. So Chelsea and I had our one-year anniversary not too long ago, wedding anniversary, 
And uh, when we were just at the family retreat this past weekend, we got to relive the entire ceremony and then some uh, in front of her family uh, at the end of one of the nights at the retreat. What does that mean? <laughs> uh, we got to watch like the hour plus long video of our wedding. Oh, <laughs> you wa- you literally watched your your wedding video. Okay. Yes. <laughs> was that planned, or were you surprised that that was um, a, a group activity? Someone had to have planned. It. <laughs> well, sure, but was it a surprise to you and Chelsea? I guess. Uh, it was supposed to be a surprise, but I will say it was not expertly done. Ah. Well, how was it uh, watching the tape back? Uh, I mean, it was nice watching. It was nice watching it, but maybe not the ideal setting for <laughs> watching it the first time. Yeah. Because we did the vows, like the the mother son dance, like all the speeches. We got to see it all. Hell yeah. And what, was this just like projected on like a a wall or did everybody crowd around the TV or? Uh, On the TV in her aunt's living room. Oh, okay. Huge. Yeah, it was huge. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. Were there any, uh, I like watching my parents' uh, wedding tape because uh, my godfather, Alicia, there's a bunch of footage of him uh, feeding their infant sips of beer on and off throughout the night it's pretty huge <laughs> just given uh, michael is his name just you know little candid moments <laughs> pouring little little sips of beer in his baby's mouth pretty huge hell yeah <laughs> um very cool anything else to report i think that's it sick um i've been busy not a whole lot uh to talk about just you know seeing lots of family hanging out with friends we were like i said we were in seattle this past weekend oh i got to cross a bucket list band off my list i got to see jimmy Eat world over the past weekend they've nice. been one of my favorites since i was uh, in middle school and uh they were really good it's kind of a bummer though they uh well a bummer and a blessing in disguise so they're on tour with manchester orchestra right now mm-hmm. yeah and uh it's like a co-headlining tour but based on everything i could see jimmy eat world has been playing last like at least the first few dates of the tour they've been the band that go on last um and then Haley and i get there we miss the opener intentionally we get our beer we're waiting for a band to start thinking it's going to be manchester orchestra and then all of a sudden jimmy eat world just starts playing and we're like uh what the fuck so they played first, and the crowd, you could tell, was definitely there to see Manchester Orchestra. Like, mm-hmm. let me put it this way. The crowd went off for one song during Jimmy Eat World, and it's the <laughs> song you would expect them to yeah. go off for. It's, it was the middle, if you're not familiar. <laughs> um, so that was kind of a bummer, you know, that my first experience seeing them, you know, the crowd was, like, lame as fuck, but... They sounded great, and it was awesome. I only cried twice, so that was huge. Um, and yeah, we we left after like twenty minutes of Manchester Orchestra because I think they're kind of boring. I like them, but they're kind of boring. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they sounded insane. Like I gotta give credit to them. They they, they sounded them. really good, but <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, you know, you can tap your toe a little bit to it, but um, we figured we would get a head start taking the light rail back to Trey's place. So we only watched like 20 minutes of their set, but good band. So Blessing and a Curse. We got to leave the show early, uh, mm-hmm. but a little bummed that the reception wasn't better. So anyway, that's the only thing uh, that I'll talk about. Been busy, I didn't realize you were exciting. a big uh, Jimmy Eat World guy. Oh, yeah, dude. Probably a top ten band of mine. Wow. Mm-hmm. The stars never aligned previously? Yeah, just never had an opportunity. Well, I, there were opportunities. I just never took them. I either always had plans or they just, you know, didn't play Seattle proper. They would play like White River Amphitheater or something. Or uh, The last time they were in town, they played Wamu, which is where they played this time, but there was some sort of conflict. I was either out of town or seeing a different, a different band. So anyway, finally got to see him. So I'm excited to get another opportunity to see them again, uh, under different circumstances, hopefully, but pretty huge. They're great. So great. After all these years. So anyway, that's it for me. Should we move on to, uh, the reviews? Let's do it. Fuck. Yeah. All right. We're going to start with Asteroid City, so let me read the plot synopsis. Following a writer on his world-famous fictional play about a grieving father who travels with his tech-obsessed family to small rural Asteroid City to compete in a junior stargazing event, only to have his worldview disrupted forever. Written and directed by Wes Anderson based on a story written by Wes Anderson and Roman Coppola film stars, uh, all the usual suspects. I'll skip over the usual suspects. Uh, we got Scarlett Johansson in here, Tom Hanks, Brian Cranston. Uh, I think all these other people have mostly been in his movies before. Maya Hawk making her way into a Wes Anderson film before her dad somehow. Uh, yeah. So before we talk about Asteroid City, um, we didn't do a review of French Dispatch, right? Did you see French Dispatch? I don't even remember now. Mm, I did see the French Dispatch, but I can't remember if we did a review on it or not. I don't think we did. I'm pretty sure I watched that as part of Cram Jam and it did make my list. It was like nine or 10, um, haven't thought about that movie since I saw it. So kind of a (laughs) bit of a cram, uh, both, you know, crammed to make it in under the wire and also kind of crammed it on the list. But, uh, Mm -hmm. I liked it. I liked it a lot, but, uh, you on the other hand, you're, um, you're mixed, I guess is probably an accurate way to put it in regards to Wes Anderson. Would you say that's accurate? That is pretty accurate. Yes. (laughs) What was the last Wes Anderson movie? that you liked that I really liked was yeah, yeah, like probably really, really liked. Moonrise Kingdom. Damn, not a Budapest bitch. No, I really like the way that one looks, but it doesn't really grab me. I'm mostly, mostly there with you. I just rewatched it for the first time since it came out and really, really liked it, but it's not, uh, it's not top tier Anderson for me. Um, okay, well, let, let's get into this one then. So, uh, would you like to go first or should I? Sure, I will go first. Um, 
So yeah, we have already alluded to it a bit, but um, I'm a little bit mixed on Wes Anderson, and um, I've pretty much felt the same way with his last few movies. Um, a lot of them just feel like he's going through the motions, and um, yeah, they just... I don't know. They they they're a little too busy for me. Like there's a lot of characters and I can never just really grasp onto like a central story that carries me through the movie. It just feels so like compartmentalized all the little different things that are going on in this movie and even the characters are, you know, divided up and secluded in a sense. Um with this one he is trying to do something maybe slightly different with uh, the way it's constructed. Uh, there's like a meta element to it, which is probably the most interesting part about it, but in actuality, it's not all that interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I think it looks really good, and there's moments that I do like, and I could say this about a lot of his movies, but again, ultimately, I don't think it fully worked for me or really hooked me. Um, I might like it more on rewatch just because um, there's quite a bit going on and you kind of learn through the movie or throughout the movie uh, how it's being constructed. So having that information from the beginning might help a little bit. But yeah, overall... Um, I think I will give it a pass, but did not necessarily love it. So ultimately, uh, the needle probably didn't move much in regards to your uh, overall <laughs> perception of Wes Anderson and his films, it sounds like. Yeah, I just ultimately don't think he's really for me. Like, uh, There's aspects I like of his movies, but I'm just not a Wes Anderson person, and... Um, there might be a couple outliers, but for the most part, they're only as good as like how good they look and their big cast and maybe a few moments. But as a whole, his movies rarely ever fully work for me. Sure. Okay. Well, so I I am a big Wes Anderson fan, and I love like slash love all of his movies except for Isle of Dogs and um, The Life Aquatic. Those are the only two that I would say I skew negative on. The rest I like to love in varying degrees. So I was excited for this one. I will admit that while I think, like I would say probably Grand Budapest onward, I think he's only gotten better at his craft. Like, yeah, I think he's repeating a lot of like visual motifs, but his movies have never looked better. The sets have never been more well-designed and just like there, you can watch a Wes Anderson movie and it's immediately identifiable as being a Wes Anderson movie. Like there's very few filmmakers who have like, such a specific and vivid visual style that you can attribute to an individual alone. You know what I mean? Like one of the most instantly recognizable 
filmmakers visually. Um, mm-hmm. What has been lacking for me recently is the emotional through line. So like the Royal Tenenbaums is my favorite Wes Anderson movie. And it's one of my favorite movies in general. And I do feel like his movies, there's a lot of repetitive motifs when it comes to his characters. And this movie is no different. Like for example, the, you know, emotionally detached grieving dad. I mean, that's Jason Schwartzman in this movie. That was uh, Ben Stiller's character in Royal Tenenbaums. That was um, at least one other example of it. Uh, I'm blanking on it now. But anyway, so there's like, he has like character archetypes that he kind of like reskins through a lot of his movies. Having said that, though, I was on board with Asteroid City from the beginning. I love the setting. So probably my favorite. No, there's no probably. Definitely my favorite setting for a, a Wes Anderson movie since probably Moonrise Kingdom. Um, I just love the way it looks. I love the setup. Um, and it's nowhere near his funniest movie, but I think it's significantly funnier than his recent movies. Um, I didn't think the French dispatch was that funny, at least in my memory. If I did find it funny at the time, it hasn't stuck with me because that's a movie that, as I said earlier, it hasn't really been super memorable for me. <laughs> yeah, Isle I of dogs. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, five stars. <laughs> <laughs> the fi- so not to play my card too early, but I am ultimately going to give asteroid city a lower score than the French dispatch. But in my ranking of Wes Anderson movies, I would put asteroid city higher. Um, I I'll, I guess I'll have to see them both another time to really solidify where I stand. But um, I really like the performances, um, especially um, oh god, what's his name? Why am I blanking? I gotta refer to the cast list real quick. Okay, so who's in this fucking thing? Adrian Brody, Brian Cranston. Oh god, Adrian Brody. This cast is so big that the top like 30 actors, Adrian Brody is like not even here because there's just so <laughs> many fucking people in this movie. No, um, Tom Hanks. I really, I mean, you know, his performance is like, it's a Wes Anderson movie. So it's like, whatever. But it was cool to see him kind of similar to uh, Bruce Willis in Moonrise Kingdom. You know what I mean? Like, it's cool mm-hmm. to see like an established high profile actor who like, so effortlessly like fits into the Wes Anderson world. Someone who I think doesn't like mesh as well as Brian Cranston. Like he's, I guess you could call him the narrator of the film. He's like the host of the like meta narrative basically. And there is some like fourth wall breaking with his character, which did make me laugh when that happened. But he's a little like, felt the most out of place in this world to me. I don't know how you felt about him in the movie, but um, Steve Carell, I wish was in the movie more. He, his character made me laugh a couple times. He's like the motel yeah. manager. <laughs> he was pretty funny. It, and it almost it reminded me of his Anchorman character just a little bit. Brick? Brick Tamlin? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... I guess with like some of the deadpan, like not with how stupid he is, but maybe just like um, 
his like demeanor mannerisms a, little a little bit. bit. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I could see that. Um, so anyway, he was fun. And there were a couple... So the, I guess the main difference between this movie and Fe- uh, French Dispatch for me is like I can point to, for me, two scenes in particular uh, that really floored me and I thought were awesome and memorable. The first one being the first scene with the alien. Like, I knew there were aliens in the movie, but, like, I had kind of forgotten because I was, you know, absorbed in the movie. So when the first, like, Mm -hmm. alien scene happens, it's hilarious visually. Like, the color palette looks amazing. The character reactions are awesome. Love that scene. And then there's a scene towards the end of the movie with a very unexpected cameo um, where Jason Schwartzman's character steps outside of like the meta black and white narrative set and has a conversation with the character. I really love that scene and it made me tear up a little bit because that's like kind of where like the emotional through line comes to a head. And uh, I really liked it. Love the way it looked. I love the exchange between the two characters there. Um, So overall, I really, really liked it. I would say it's probably like top five Wes Anderson movie for me, but still lacking that like emotional gut punch that some of his best movies have. And I do have to admit it's a little, a little samey. Like I'm not tired of what some people would call his shtick, but I'm also like, you know, I don't know if I'd call it diminishing returns, but I knew exactly what I was going to get and I got it. So it's like, I don't know if it really went too far beyond that for me. So it's why I'm a little hesitant to like really sing its praises, but ultimately very positive on it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I think the last like three or four movies he's done do, do look and feel very similarly. Um, it seems like he's, he's reached this new arc of his career that he's just like in this mode. Now I'm, curious if he's gonna do any sort of like shift from this style or approach um i kind of hope he does but it seems like he uh likes doing his thing and um kind of retreading it to a degree but yeah uh regarding asteroid city itself i think the stuff that i liked the most was the interactions between ScarJo and jason schwartzman I did really like their interactions, and I like the it, scenes through the the windows, right? The, the cabins that are next to yeah. each other. Those that those moments were the moments I was most invested. Yes, those were really good. I especially liked the scene where she's in the tub, and they mm-hmm. like do a do a a, a read through of one of the scenes for the movie she's going to be in. I really liked that scene. Um, but again, that's those are two characters who again feel like it's retreading. Oh my god, my cat just fucking chomped into my Achilles while I'm fucking talking. Morris, <laughs> you fucking asshole. What was I saying? Though, oh, the car- those Ow, characters. Ow, get out of here! I fucking hate <laughs> this cat, dude. I think he wants attention. Um, yeah, those two characters are versions of other characters that we've seen in Wes Anderson's previous movies. So it's like, it it, it does work, but again, it does feel like it's treading familiar territory too, you know? 
Yeah, I would agree with that. But like, what 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 does Wes Anderson breaking from his mold like? What does that even look like? Like, is it still a Wes Anderson movie if the characters aren't like kind of wooden and emotionally detached and deadpan? You know what I mean? It's like he has such a signature like it's not just a visual aesthetic it's also dialogue it's the way he directs his actors like i don't i'm curious to know what it would look like or what we would want him to do that's different you know what i mean like less it's like deadpan emotional detachment i guess like more real human emotions you know like it's hard to say yeah, because I don't know if he's capable to change up his visual style. I think he's kind of set <laughs> with everything being, you know, symmetrical and like painting esque. Yeah, and the camera movements. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how many times you can watch a Wes Anderson movie and like something happens off screen. It's like, oh, now the camera is going to do a pan, you know, like a ninety degree pan to whatever's happening over there, and then it's going to pan back and like. It's not, I wouldn't call it predictable, but when it happens, you're like, okay, he's doing this again. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's like almost like a f- formula that he feels like he has perfected and he just like changes the elements of it, but is kind of recycling the same visual and character motifs. I mean, at least the French Dispatch was like trying to be a little different with the vignette thing. Mm-hmm. But then it also made it less interesting narratively because you're doing this vignette style storytelling. So it's like, I don't know. Right. I'm always <laughs> going to be interested in a Wes Anderson project. I guess I just, I wonder how much more, like if even me as a huge Wes Anderson fan is like, yeah, I really liked this one, but it's starting to get a little, uh, you know, I don't know how many more of these he could make before I start to be like, okay, I think I'm, I've seen enough. You know what I mean? I'm not there yet, but I feel like I will be soon. I mean, it helps that I like this one a lot coming on the heels of Isle of Dogs and French Dispatch. So I don't know. Curious to see what he does next, but Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I've never really been the biggest fan of his, so part of me doesn't really care. Like I whenever I hear about the next Wes Anderson movie, it makes me want to just roll my eyes a little bit. Not that I dislike <laughs> his movies, it's just like I don't know, the hype that comes with them, but then for me it never really delivers like they deliver for others, so it's hard for you to get excited about another yeah. Wes Anderson movie. Right. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. But, I mean, yeah, it's it's hard to deny the craft that's there. It's just, I think it's more of a personal right. thing for me where they just don't really speak to me. They do come across as, like, very cold and, like, vapid to a lot of people. I don't feel that way. Like, I do think he... There's something about the way he uses these like deadpan detached characters to like be like deliver these emotional lines that can be poignant, but it doesn't always work. There's that. And then I also feel like at least with his later late or yeah, his last few movies, um, 
there's not as much of a central narrative. There's more characters and everything is a little bit more dispersed. And so I feel like that adds like a layer of detachment as well. Yeah, maybe he needs to just do something smaller, like move away from these like massive like ensemble casts and like like there's a lot of people in the Royal Tenenbaums, but you get to spend so much time with those characters. Right. And, and really even Rise Kingdom, them. I mean, that's a pretty big cast in itself, but the the main through line is that like is love the relationship between Yeah, and, yeah, the kids in general, but then also the love story at its center. Right. And and, and the main like narrative through line while there are adults in the story and we see their stories as well. It's about the two kids. Whereas like mm-hmm. Asteroid city, there's like so many different like storylines going on between, between the kids, between the parents. Like there's the stuff with, uh, Jason Schwartzman and like Tom Hanks's character. Cause that's like his father-in-law. And there's like, um, the uh, the love story, well, love story, but with uh, Jason Schwartzman's son and the daughter of um, Scarlett Johansson. There's just like so many different stories that it's trying to like follow that it's like can become hard to care mm-hmm. when there's just so many different threads to follow. So, I I guess I would hope that with his next project, it's a little bit smaller. Not necessarily in scope, but a little bit more refined and focused when it comes to like its story and its characters, you know? Yeah. And yeah, maybe focus a bit more on the humor. I feel like his, the humor in his movies has been a bit muted or diluted. Not nearly as funny as they used to be. No. And I don't know if that has to do with like writing partners or just maybe you know his sensibilities or him maturing in a way and his you know humor changing in a sense as a result right so we'll we'll see we'll see what what's coming next i think i read somewhere that like his next project is like a 40 minute like short film i don't know much about it but i feel like i read that somewhere so I don't know how I, how interested I am in that, but I guess it depends on how it's distributed. But anyway, anything else on Asteroid City before we move on? Nah. All right. Let's call it. Let's do star ratings. Uh, I am ultimately landed on 4.5 stars for Asteroid City. I will give it... I'll give it a 3.5. I feel like that's being a little generous based on what I just said about it, but I feel like most of his movies, I can't really go lower than a three anyways. Just because the craft of it is impeccable. Yeah. And Even if you're not interested in the story, like it's just so fun to look at as movies are so fun to just like, there's just so much happening in each frame. You know what I mean? It's just like a yeah. visual and feast. It is. Yeah. The, it is enjoyable for me, but it's almost like bite sized moments of, enjoyability right that you you appreciate in the moment but it's almost like like empty calories or something like as soon as it's happened you already forgot that you did it kind of thing that makes sense all right well that is asteroid city 
Let's go ahead and move on to our second review. We're going to be talking about No Hard Feelings. Uh, Plot synopsis for this one. On the brink of losing her home, Maddie finds an intriguing job listing. Helicopter parents looking for someone to bring their introverted 19-year-old son out of his shell before college. She has one summer to make him a man or die trying. Film is directed by Gene Stupnitsky, written by Gene Stupnitsky and John Phillips, and stars Jennifer Lawrence, Andrew Barth Feldman, Laura Benanti, Matthew Broderick, and Natalie Morales. No hard feelings. Um, where do we start with this one? Do you want me to go first since you went first last time? Sure, go for it. So... I was intrigued by the trailer for this movie. I thought it looked, you know, silly but funny. Uh, the prospect of an R-rated Jennifer Lawrence comedy definitely piqued my interest. So I was moderately excited to see this one. And I would say ultimately I did enjoy it. I think it's it's pretty good. It's funny. But um, a little too generic with the way that it actually, like, handles this story like it's very well, funny yeah the as, plot is very tropey and formulaic and not only just like the broad strokes but also in the way it's constructed like mm-hmm. the whole basically the whole third act i found mm, unsatisfying just because like the comedy kind of takes a bit of a back seat and it's kind of I mean, it's building toward something between these two characters, and there are some questionable choices uh, that I think are made in the final act that I wasn't super into, but overall, without Jennifer Lawrence, I think you don't you don't have a movie, right? Like, she, she sells this thing. She's committed to it. She's the star, for sure. It wouldn't be nearly as good <laughs> if... If it wasn't her, I guess. Um, lacking in laughs, I guess I'll say. I did get some some good chuckles throughout, but overall, it's not like funny enough for me to like want to revisit it that much. You know, like this is a movie that I might yeah. watch like one more time just to see if my feelings on it change. But well, to your earlier point, if it if it were funnier, you probably would care less about some of the story beats or you know how it's constructed because you're going to forgive it for its humorous moments and it's not yeah, exactly a, uh, it's not void of humorous moments but to be like a flat out comedy it doesn't maybe fully deliver on that level like it's a very serviceable comedy but like it's not even going to like be in the conversation of you know a great comedy that um you know becomes like kind of like a cult classic rewatchable type comedy right it's just not doing anything well enough to like transcend the like you know moderately funny comedy you know Mm -hmm. like the only line that i remember from this movie and it's easily the best line in the movie it's when uh um the, the kid, he's drinking, and Jennifer Lawrence is like, you drink now? And he's like, yeah, I love Vermouth. Do you remember oh, that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid, but it's such a clever line. And it caught me off guard 
So I, it was like a genuine like belly laugh in that moment. But most of the other stuff was just like a. There know, were some I, some good bits out of that. Just him being such um, so um, naive to things. Oh, definitely. But there's nothing that like is particularly quotable. You know what I mean? Right. Like the great R-rated comedies and just comedies in general. Like you can just think of lines from them and quote them and reference them all the time. This one, like, you know, the vermouth thing is funny, but like, what's the context that I'm going to use that in when I'm drinking vermouth? Like, you know, like outside of that, like when am I ever going to say that? So it's like, there aren't enough like memorable lines. Like the script itself is not funny enough to like, I feel like for rewatches to be rewarding in that sense. There's good bits and there's some good physical humor. And of course, you know, we get Jennifer Jennifer Lawrence full frontal, which is huge, but oh, we'll need to know. talk a bit more about that scene. We'll we'll, we'll dedicate <laughs> the last uh, 30 minutes of the review to to that scene. Um so it's got that going for it, but um you know, a little too generic, not funny enough to really transcend its genre, but not a bad movie. I mean, definitely better than it could have been. We don't get enough yeah, movies like this. It's better we, than your average Netflix comedy these days. Right. The bubble, the, I mean, not the, not the bubble. Um, The fucking... What's the one where the guy gets his dick cut off and they got to put it at their... Oh, God. You know the movie I'm talking about, right? Didn't you see it? Where the kid gets his penis cut off and they got to like... Yes. The you, package. The package. <laughs> That I'm pretty sure huge. you recommended that. To me. <laughs> Did you never see it? You probably didn't. Huh? Uh, I want to say I watched it because of you, but I'm not sure now. Well, you may have, but even if you did, it wasn't memorable enough. What was it you. called? The package. The package. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure I watched this because of you. Does it have yeah, a rating? I gave it three stars. Okay, so you know, not bad. I would say No Hard Feelings is slightly better than The Package. Okay, well, hard disagree there, but uh, <laughs> No Hard Feelings. <laughs> they're, they're, you know, I guess they can be in the in the same conversation, like mid-comedy sure. movies, basically. The bar is pretty low these days for this genre or this it's category. Kinda, it of kind movies. of died in the, yeah. like, around, like, I feel like Bridesmaids, like that, was kind of like the end of an era. Like we have MacGruber and like pop star, never stop, never stopping, but mm-hmm. they're few and far between like this type of like raunchy R rated comedy. The good ones anyway, we don't get them very often anymore. So yeah, this even, doesn't transcend even the, the world. The Will Ferrell comedy to a degree is dwindling. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of Will Ferrell comedies, we do have uh, Strays coming very soon, which is also oh, yeah. another R-rated uh, goofy comedy movie. It that... does look. It looks kind of funny, but it also is just the the concept is a little cringe in itself. It just looks like a a live action crude Secret Homeward Life of Bounce. Pets. Oh well, yeah, or that too. <laughs> I mean. It definitely feels like it's borrowing from something we've seen before. Yeah, definitely. Like, I was dying the first time I saw that trailer, but now I've seen it 30 times. And, of course, Kevin Hart is a voice in it. Oh my God, yeah, he has to be, right? 
So that's one that I'll probably see, but hopes aren't uh, very high for that one. But yeah. Um, well, yeah, for me, um, I'm pretty much right in line with you. Um, I think you might be slightly a little more negative than you should be considering what what it's trying to be. But I think we're we're pretty close because um, I, I guess where it, it falls short on laughs, it does make up a little bit with heart. Um, while it is a little tropey and formulaic, I do think there is at least, you know, some sort of heart or some sort of aspect that makes you care a little bit more um, about the story rather than just watching it for pure laughs. Because there's like the whole like bullying angle and then just him being kind of a loser. And um, then Jennifer Lawrence character has a couple things that um, are also a bit relatable that, you know, she relates to the other lead character to a degree. Um, so I did like all of that. Um, but yeah, I don't really have too much to add other than what we've already talked about. Um, I did think some of the cinematography and editing was a little odd at times. Like, I don't know if you noticed that at all, but just the camera lingering, um, a little too long in moments or even just like maybe like the continuity from scene to scene didn't fully like make sense. Not that I would be too critical of something like that uh, in a comedy, but it did stand out a little bit where it felt like it was trying to do a little bit more, but it, all it did is really draw attention to itself. <laughs> Yeah, I would say that's accurate, especially with some of the editing. There was some wonky stuff. And also there's like a couple moments of like CG in this movie that yeah. felt unwarranted. Like they were kind of distracting and like not worth like why they didn't need to be there. Like in particular towards the end of the movie, there's like a car chase thing that happens it like mirrors an earlier moment in the film and there's like some crazy stuff with like the sand that just looked insane and like the crash it just it looked bad actively bad well it also felt a little out of place like it just felt a little too cartoony for what the movie was it did yeah cartoony is a good word because it just like didn't make sense i was like why from the perspective of like mirroring an earlier moment in the film, sure, but it didn't yeah. make sense to me why, like, how it just like, it just, why is he still driving? You know what I mean? Right. I guess we, he drives off road, he goes off road and just keeps <laughs> driving. And it's like, bro, like, just stop the car because it, it the payoff isn't worth it. You know what I mean? It'd be different if there was like some huge payoff, but there wasn't. It was lane mm -hmm. so it's like what do we do all that for other than to just have like bookends with their act the characters and their actions like that right. really didn't work for me um and then the the scene you alluded to earlier the uh the big scene the the r-rated yes, scene on the beach did she look weird to you at times in that scene it looked like part of her body was cg'd or modified in some way i don't know like, just the way her body moved or even looked at times looked fake. Like, it almost looked like 
how like a Terminator would move or something. <laughs> it, I don't know if you noticed that at all, but it didn't look like it was like it looked. It didn't look practical. I guess it looked like there was some sort of either like CG or body double or combination of both. I didn't do any research, but um, <laughs> I don't know. It just looked weird to me at times. I think there may have been a body double used for some of the like action in that scene. Cause there's like some, I mean, it's basically wrestling that happens. Like she picks up a yeah. guy and like, <laughs> like slams him on the sand. So I think they might've used a body double for some of that stuff. I didn't think it looked fake though, or at least not that it didn't strike me as looking fake other than they might've used a body double for some of it. Um, I don't know. I was, I was looking intently and, well, of course, we all were. <laughs> <laughs> Things weren't fully out enough. <laughs> <laughs> I have some questions that I need answers to. Yeah, I didn't do any research, so I don't know if there was any like CG used there. But definitely in an earlier scene with... Uh, there's, like, there's fake fire that they use. Is it in that... It's on the beach, I feel like. Why am I not remembering why there's fire on the beach? You know what I'm talking about, right? There's like a, uh, the, does the car catch on fire or something? I don't the even The car remember. catches on fire at the end. I thought that's the scene you were talking about earlier, though. Oh, maybe that is. I, there was a there was a moment that looked there was shitty CG earlier in the movie. Now I can't remember what it was. Like a I'm like two weeks removed from seeing the movie, so now I can't remember what that scene was, but. Well, anyway, some questionable CG maybe. Like the initial. Well, no, because her first car just gets. Oh, you know what? That's exactly what it was. Because she tries to get into the car after it gets towed. And it like catches on fire when she Mm. tries to escape. That's what it was. Okay. That looked fake as hell, too. So just, I don't know. Just didn't need either have good cg or just like don't right do it you know what i mean right distract write a different scene (laughs) right (laughs) um but the central performances definitely carry this thing the kid's really good too yeah andrew barth feldman is his name yeah i don't really recognize him but i did like him in it he i don't know what else he's been in i mean his imdb he's known for he was in ratatouille the tiktok musical Whatever the fuck that means. Uh, he was in three episodes of High School Musical, The Musical. And he's in some TV show called Foul Play. Which looks like is maybe an internet thing. So I think this is like kind of his big break. Is what it looks like. He, he was in White Noise, but he's just credited as student. So he's probably just like in the background of a scene in that movie. Interesting. Yeah. But he was good. I mean, hopefully this gets some more roles. I liked him a lot in it. Wasn't a huge fan of Matthew Broderick. He's that that yeah. is a guy who's like very distracting to me. Anytime he yeah. shows up in a movie, I, is he a bad actor? Is that all it is? Anytime he shows up in a movie, I'm like distracted because one, I'm like, oh shit, that's Matthew Broderick. And then he's just always seems to be bad. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't like when he uh, pops up in movies. Because he doesn't, he doesn't get a ton of work these days. But I mean, 
I'm trying to think of a good example. He has like a relatively minor role in. I'm looking at his uh, filmography now. Is Manchester by the Sea what I'm thinking of? Who the fuck is he in that movie? Is he in that? Yeah, it says he is. Some character named Jeffrey. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like he's he's had a hard time finding like the um the second half of his career. Yeah, he like kind of peaked with he peaked with Inspector Gadget. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, so he was a little distracting to me, but um Good cast. I just wish, you know, I, I, I was hoping that this would be like the next great R-rated comedy. And I, it's it's a good one of those, but ultimately didn't uh, didn't get there for me. Yeah, I would agree with that. But it was I mean, I did have pretty low expectations and they did meet those, I guess. So. For Credit that credits do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fair. <clears throat> one right. part one part I didn't really care for was um the side plot with the pregnant friends. I thought they had a couple good jokes early on in the movie as just like side characters, but then when they became a little more integral to the story, I just didn't really care to I just felt like why are we spending time with these people like they don't really play much of a role. I mean they, I guess they do play so, well, I, it's still pretty small in the grand scheme of things. So, yeah, I mean, they, they basically play. they're basically just there to like set like do some groundwork for Jennifer Lawrence's growth, basically. Yeah, you know, like they, they there's a they bring up the fact that they're gonna have to move to Florida because they can't afford to be there and like that that comes full circle by the end of it so it's like outside of that you know i, I i'm kind of with you they have a couple i just think there was maybe funny, but... one one extra scene t- towards the end or you know one scene of theirs towards the end where it kind of brought attention to itself where it's just like why are we spending time on this right now i don't care about these people totally <laughs> and it's like there's no emotional payoff for the decision that she makes at the end of the movie. Cause it's like, right. oh, well, I don't really care about these people anyway. So it's like mm-hmm. good for you, I guess. But like <laughs> there wasn't any like emotional payoff there because they're so thinly written. You know what I mean? So I agree that maybe if there had been like another scene or two or they just not being in the movie. Yeah. A little less or a little more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, anything else before we drop stars? Uh, I think I'm good. This is a movie. It's kind of hard to talk about for too long. Right. Cause it's like, what are you? Yeah. We get to see boobs and you know, it's kind of funny. What else is there to say? Really? Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not something that I feel like I'm going to return to anytime soon, but, um, uh, it met my expectations other than, you know, I was hoping maybe it would be better than it ended up being but you know right. a solid yeah, one of these if you're if you're going in for like a you, you just want a solid serviceable comedy that has maybe some couple slightly raunchier jokes then you won't be disappointed but yeah if you're looking for like the next great comedy you might want to keep this looking. ain't it but <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> all right well 
Let's drop star ratings. Um, I ultimately landed on a three point five. I was leaning four. Like I was, I was enjoying it until the last act, like the third act. I was like, ah, okay, this is way too formulaic and not funny. That for was me the to make really or break for you. That was it. Like it could have been a four star movie if it had like done something interesting in the final act. There's some emotional yeah. payoff, I guess. It's it's not unsatisfying, but a little too generic, and the comedy definitely takes a backseat. Um, so ultimately landed on three point five. I'm at a three, so Asteroid City gets the the edge. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> um, okay, that was no hard feelings. That's gonna do it for the featured reviews. Let's move on to uh, what else we've been watching. Um, do you watch the Bear? I can't remember. Did you finally catch up with the Bear? I've watched all of season one and one episode of season two. Okay. Is that something you're watching with Chelsea? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I know you guys have been busy, but that... I fucking loved the second season of it. Like, I really, really liked the first season, but season two has uh, some of the best TV I've seen in a while. So you guys should uh, definitely try and finish it. What did you think of that first episode? I thought it was good. It gets better as the season goes on. There's more episodes, too. I think it's like eight episodes this season. Some of them are pretty long, too. Yeah, like I felt like the first episode long. was laying the groundwork for the season, kind of. Yeah. It definitely is uh, kind of reintroducing some characters and kind of getting you situated with what they're trying to do. It is a very popular show right now, though. Very popular. Yeah. and I know that usually, like... Maybe not usually, but it seems like you kind of lose interest when there's like a zeitgeist show that's happening. But it is really fucking good. You've seen the first season, so I think it's better in pretty much every way. I think it's funnier. I think that the character development is top notch. Some really unexpected. uh, They're not cameos, but some pretty high profile people show up as characters uh, later in the season. So. You know that to look forward to. Oh, I've to. heard. Yeah. <laughs> it's very good. Uh, very, very good television. Uh, well, what you got? What, what have you been watching lately? Well, speaking of TV, I've um, been re-watching Barry. So I watched mm. the first couple seasons of Barry when they aired and then fell off for whatever reason. And then Barry just concluded. So would like to go back um so i just started it over and i'm almost through season two again and uh really enjoying the rewatch excited to get to the new stuff i do like that show a lot though kind of reminds me of like breaking bad almost um just you know one of those shows that has comedic elements but also goes very dark and kind of dealing with an anti-hero of sorts at the uh the center of it yeah i definitely need to get back i watched the first two seasons and it 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 was four seasons right i know it's done now but mm-hmm. yeah i need to go back and watch the other ones i don't know if i'll go all the way back to the beginning just for the sake of time but not unless Haley wants to watch it but 
I have heard it's well, uh, the nice good. thing about Barry is it's only like half hour or so episodes, not the full hour. Like yeah, most there's not a ton of them either. Yeah. <clears throat> Sick. I also watched the um, the American Gladiators doc series on Netflix. I started that. I've seen the first like episode and a half. What do you think? I think it's kind of. I don't know. I thought I was gonna like it, but it's pretty. Well, they're stretching. Were you a big fan of uh, American Gladiators growing up? Um. Yes, but the Hulk Hogan reboot. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I didn't really watch any of the OG oh, American Gladiator. The only <laughs> recollection I have of the reboot is, I pl- the only time I ever watched it was like in, uh, like a drinking game style at my uncle's house. But I'm a f- I'm a couple years older than you, and my brother and I grew up watching the old school American Gladiator. So was a big fan of that show growing up so yeah. watching this doc series it was cool getting like the behind the scenes of it and um but it's it's kind of what you would expect you know it um i think american gladiators was a bit revolutionary for what it was doing just like the uh like the competition type reality show for the, for the everyman to a degree mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, the story or the documentary, it follows the same tropes of like a WWE documentary or something like that, where, you know, the performers didn't really get treated right. Or like they really tore up their body as a result due to like lack of safety or care of the showrunners. And, um, so yeah, that aspect of it, it, if it's not like that groundbreaking because you could probably guess that that would be the the outcome or demise of the characters. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I found it pretty uh, interesting slash watchable, but it did feel like it was maybe a little stretched out because they do rehash some stuff. And I think they could have maybe cut it down a bit. I think what they were trying to do is have like concise episodes and as a result they had to do a little bit of retread at the beginning or end of those episodes to to bridge each each episode but yeah maybe there was a way where they could have shaved off a few minutes here and there and either just made it like a full-on feature or even cut out an entire episode well what i find what i've found kind of annoying so far is that they like end an episode teasing like a crazy moment and then it takes yeah, like, like halfway through the, yeah and then it takes like halfway through the next episode to see it like i feel like that is that's not editing that you see very much anymore in the streaming era you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it used to make sense when things would air like weekly or on television but it is more annoying than anything when you're right when your episodes are on streaming so like i was definitely taken aback by like I mean, it worked. They got me to immediately start another episode because I wanted to see what was going to happen. And then I had to fucking wait 30 minutes to see the thing. And then it's also annoying because it's like, okay, so the thing that I'm referencing is um, Malibu. They end one of the episodes referencing like what you think is like some horrible injury with Malibu. And there's like a collision and they like end it 
before you see the collision. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh shit, is he gonna like hyperextend his leg? Is it gonna break in half? Like, what's gonna happen? And then they show it, and it's like anticlimactic. You know, it's like I waited 30 minutes to see him right. just get knocked off the thing. It's, it's like, like I know he got hurt or something. Yeah, exactly. I know he did get hurt, but it's like they build it up as like. I think the episode ends with them saying like, and then and then that thing happened to Malibu, and then it like cuts to black, and it's like, damn it, what happens to Malibu? You know, and then yeah, they're like juicing I, I d- it. I definitely felt some of that watching it. Um, I'll keep watching it, but like, I, I'm pretty meh on it, especially because I don't like you. I don't have the, I don't have the nostalgia for for it. Really, I have nostalgia for the Hogan reboot. Did you know that's where Gina I, Carano got her start? Yes. <laughs> I love that Hogan reboot. And a lot of the games are the same, so it's like, I get it. But these heroes, quote-unquote heroes, you know, like the, the gladiators, I, I don't have nostalgia for them because I just, I don't know. It was on when I was a kid. I don't know if it's just because my parents thought it was stupid, so it was never on TV or what, but, yeah. yeah it wasn't a part know. of my we, childhood. We We watched a lot of dumb shit as a kid and... American Gladiators was one of them. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I wouldn't say it's like must-see TV or anything, but if you have nostalgia for it or or, uh, fold the laundry or something one night and uh, don't want to pay full attention to it, might be be worthy. Yep. Sick. That's it for TV. Uh, movie-wise, well, I guess I could talk about Past Lives. Yeah, the only feel movie worth talking about this year. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but really, this movie is probably, well, no, it is the front runner for this year for me, as of this moment. Uh, I fell in love with Past Lives. And um, I didn't really know much about it and didn't really have that much interest in it. Uh, The main reason why I went to go see it was all of the buzz that was popping up regarding it. Yeah. I didn't even know, not that this had any factor in my viewing, I didn't even know it was an A24 movie until I was watching it and the credits started. Wow, did you not see any trailers? I think I did, but just maybe snippets of them. Like, I never saw a full trailer from beginning to end, and I didn't really know the plot necessarily. Honestly, I just thought it was one of these, like, foreign dramas that somehow caught wind somehow, and it was like a Sony Pictures classic or a Fox Searchlight. (laughs) So I didn't really have any interest in it, but then all the buzz was swirling and I was like, okay, I got to go see this thing. So convinced Chelsea to go see it with me. And it was amazing. Um, Matt, I think you will love this movie. Uh, if you don't, I will be shocked and we'll need to discuss <laughs> why you do not. But um, yeah. And I also don't want to say too much cause I feel like we'll have a longer discussion about this movie once you finally see it or maybe at the end of the year, but uh, I think this this movie kind of reminds me of like one of those movies like After Sun where you could talk about it for a long time. 
Interesting. Have a okay. pretty lengthy discussion on it. Um, it is a little reminiscent of the before movies. Um, That's maybe what I a was little, uh, maybe a little less romantic slash like fairy tale. Just in the the central story or how the characters meet. You know, I, I think it's a bit more of the the before trilogy. Tri- before trilogy is a little bit more fairy tale esque, at least in their meeting. This this story is more so they start out as childhood friends and then it goes from there. I don't know how much you know about about the the plot of it, but I'd like to keep it vague because it was vague for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just one of those movies that really makes you reflect on your life and the relationships that encompass it. Um, There's a big play. I mean, as you could maybe guess, the idea of past lives. And um, there's like this Korean saying that that plays a factor in the movie. So won't really delve too much into that. But um, yeah, it's it's a really specific story, but also is very universal. I think everyone can relate to it to a degree, even though it's about like the, the immigrant experience and a specific one at that. Um, but yeah, I just, I love the way it was constructed and written. It's, it's broken up in three different parts, I'd say. Um, and I loved all three. Um, it just, yeah, I guess the way you, the way you meet the characters and just the time that they spend and how they spend it and the time that passes in the movie, the way it's all constructed is really well done. And there's even some callbacks in the writing that, you know, a character will say something early on and then that line will come back in a way later on in the movie. Um, So yeah, it really delivers on those instances. If you're paying attention. Um, Did you ever see first Cal? the movie uh yes i was pretty underwhelmed by it okay well one of the actors one of the main actors in that is plays a pretty big role in this movie he's her husband yeah yeah he's really good in it the three central performances are all really good um but yeah his his character in particular he could have been a very like one note tropey character but i think um the the writer slash director gives him a lot of complexity where you can like really feel for him and he feels like a real human being like um there's just yeah i guess layers to his character and just the way he responds to everything in the movie i think is really well done um yeah it is a banger i will leave it at that I would like to talk about it with someone who has seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean I've I'm dying to see it. Haley really wants to see it too, but uh you know, it just opened last weekend at the local independent cinema here. Uh unfortunately Regal here in Bellingham didn't pick it up. Um they're still showing screenings of the Little Mermaid, mind you, but don't have room for uh, past lives, I guess. So um I do hope to catch it uh, probably not this week, hopefully next week. I mean, I got Mission Impossible tomorrow, Barbie Friday, Oppenheimer Saturday. So it's like my movie schedule is booked up. 
this week. So hopefully next week I can catch it and then we can talk about it next time we record. But, but yeah, not not trying to overhype it, but um, this one really did strike me. Um, out of like a, a lot of the hype dramas of the last few years, I think this is the one that's really spoke to me and will stick with me. Um, Even more so than after some? Uh, yeah, just because I feel like it's maybe a bit more relatable because I don't, I don't have that type of relationship, at least not in my life yet. Hopefully just, you think, don't have that type of relationship. Ever, well, but <laughs> in a general, sense. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I know. Uh, what you mean. I think this one's just a little more relatable, at least for me now in but yeah, it's definitely up there with Afterson, I would say. It's just, I think typically movies like this, I would maybe find a little boring or maybe didn't quite stick with me, but this one fully worked. It it could be boring to someone, I guess, but I was like glued to the screen. So. Oh yeah. I do hope I can report back on that soon so we can have a more um, thorough discussion on it, but the hype is real. I'm excited to get in there. The hype is real. <laughs> excited to get in there. <laughs> um, okay. I only have one. I've only seen one other movie. I mean, I rewatched Grand Budapest, but I already kind of talked about it in our Asteroid City review. So um, I'll just go ahead and talk about the other thing that I watch now. Uh, Haley and I finally caught up with Evil Dead Rise. Um, we were gearing up for a theater watch cause Haley had never seen any of those movies. So we watched evil dead one and two and then the evil dead reboot, but then didn't get to a theater in time to, to right. see it. So, uh, finally caught up with it cause it's on, uh, max now mm-hmm. and I did enjoy it. It was fun, but it is like stylistically, in line with that reboot from 10 years ago. Um, but not as good. I definitely prefer the reboot. Um, there are some good moments, but I think the trailer hyped it up because I actually thought that it might be like scary. Like I got the chills watching the trailer. Cause there were a couple moments that were like genuinely kind of creepy. And I was like, Oh yeah, here we go. This is going to be huge. And it's not, um, and as like a gore movie, it's not as gory or memorable as, as the reboot movie. So it's like overall, definitely a step down, but still very enjoyable. And there's like a neat location change. Have you seen it? I have not. So all the other Evil Dead movies take place in the woods, right? Uh, this one takes place in like a kind of dilapidated, like shitty apartment building. So the change of scenery is nice. Like they do some cool stuff with that, but it also kind of feels like they shoehorned in the evil dead elements to make it work in this setting. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't really make sense why this shit is happening. (laughs) Like it's all kind of feels like they just kind of wanted to switch up the setting. So they just kind of, made up some bullshit. Not that I care about evil dead lore, mind you, but like it felt a little, a little hammy, but 
there's definitely some standout scenes. Um, I like the characters. So it involves like uh, the main character is this woman who is like a guitar tech for a band. And she's like back in town for a couple nights. So she like swings by her sister's place and her sister has three kids. So it's like the mom gets possessed and then the rest of the movie kind of escalates from there. So some pretty cool standout sequences but even like on a visual level i think it's a step down um fede alvarez did the reboot and that movie has a very distinct kind of look to it very brutal mm-hmm. kind of flashy and definitely an homage to the originals but very much feels like its own thing this kind of feels like a rehash of that like I haven't seen the this director's who did other this movie. Uh, he's the guy who did a hole in the ground. I think that's what it's called. Ah. Um, let me see, a hole in the ground, the hole in the ground. Nah, it's not popping up. I don't want to spend too much time looking it up, but he did. It was from a couple of years ago, and it had some hype behind it, but nothing too crazy. Um. So visually not super distinctive. Overall kind of a step down, but you know, it's only 96 minutes, so it's it's brisk, it's violent. There's definitely stuff there for the Evil Dead fans, but my least favorite, I think, of the ones that I've seen. Um I heard there's a really cool moment or thing at the beginning of the movie, is that true? Uh the title card is sick. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, I went from, I went from <laughs> six to midnight with that title card. Um, but again, like that got me hyped for the movie, and then really played no role in the rest of the movie. Like it's one of those things where it's then you're like, just soft the rest of the movie. Totally, it's one of those things where it's like that happens, and then it's like forty eight hours earlier, you know. Mm. So it's like it does come full circle as you would expect, but also kind of like eh, i don't know i wish they had done more i don't really like when setting. movies do that the end end at the beginning or start at the end kind of thing yeah it's a little gimmicky or like a little cheap i feel like it not saying i hate it but there are times when it just feels like it's an easy way to start your movie with with a bang Yes, that's exactly like you can do it well. There can be a narrative reason to do that that like recontextualizes the beginning and then you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, fuck, you know, like there's like a moment of catharsis that might happen or some sort of character revelation. Yeah, if it's done in in a clever way, sure. But sometimes it just feels a little cheap. And that's exactly how I felt about it in this movie. Mm -hmm. It does start with a bang like it was huge but yeah (laughs) and then you know ultimately didn't live up to that but it set the bar high and i do overall like the movie i gave it a three and a half so i mean it's something that i had fun with and would recommend to fans of the evil dead but uh it's the weakest i would say even counting army of darkness like i've only seen that movie once and it's like a very different thing but yeah even counting that i would still say it's probably the worst in the in the franchise Bummer. I was curious, but you make me really feel like I don't need to prioritize it. <laughs> well, what did, what did you think of the reboot? 
I didn't really care for it, to be honest. Okay. If that's the case, then I feel like there's probably not much. It just felt like it was trying to be gory for gory's sake. It it was pretty fucking gory, though. I mean, even 10 years later, I rewatched it, you know, this year, and it holds up on a gore level. Yeah, but I don't get hard. I don't get hard from gore anymore. Come on. I'm not 13. (laughs) You're the co-host of the Digest, my dog. You love gore. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm the co-co-host on that show. (laughs) It's no Terrifier 2, that's for sure. Yeah, that's... Now we're talking. Yeah, that'll get you hard. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That'll put some hair on your chest. (laughs) All right, you're done? Yeah, that's all I had. Besides trash your reality TV, but that's always, I'm always watching that. So I will be brief on, I think I'll talk about two. I watched uh, Picnic at Hanging Rock, the Peter Weir film from 1975. I think I watched this on Max. This is one of those Criterion movies that felt like homework to a degree. (laughs) <laughs> and um, finally gave it a poke, and uh, it definitely felt like homework while watching it. Um, it's like one of those non-horror horror films. Kind of reminded me of, of like The Wicker Man, but without any sort of crazy ending. It was like The Wicker Man meets The Beguiled. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. <laughs> But not a lot happens. Like, it looks great, and um, there's, like, a mystery element to it. But it ultimately just doesn't feel like it goes anywhere. And so, yeah, it was kind of boring and a little anticlimactic. So did give it a free pass, but um, did not necessarily love it. Dang, that's one that's been on my radar for a very long time. But again, it's like I see it pop up and I'm like, eh, do I really want to watch that right now? Not really. So I just like keep kicking that can down the road. I should watch it sometime, but I don't know. With how much <laughs> with how much is out there, I would maybe keep kicking that can. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. <laughs> um I mean, there's a, there's a chance you could love it, but for me, I think it's one you could, yeah, push down further on the list rather than up. Okay, I'll continue kicking the can. And then I rewatched Jackie. Been wanting to do that since I fell in love with Spencer. Oh, that Jackie. I was like, what the fuck is Jackie? I was like trying to think of what you're talking about. I had forgotten about that movie. Did you think I was referring to 42, the Jackie Robinson story? <laughs> <laughs> or Jackie Brown? I was like, Jackie, Jackie. I was like racking my brain. So you have yes. not seen Natalie Jackie. Portman movie. No, no, no. I've never seen it. Mm. I think you would like it. Honestly, you might like it more than me. I don't know if you'd like it as much as you like Spencer, but. I mean, we both it's love Spencer. Hard to say. That was like both of true. one of our favorite movies that year, so. Well, I could I'm on see board. You, I could see you liking Jackie more than I. I do really like Jackie, but something about Spencer just works a little bit better for me. I think it's just kind of what he's going for with um, 
just her being kind of the outcast in that house and having to deal with all of the uh, the things she has to deal with with the royal family and her marriage and all that. Um, yeah, I just think the way that that was done was was done really well. But uh, this one, I think, is more of like trying to put you in like the headspace of someone who's grieving her husband, but like on like a national scale. And so a little bit harder for you to put yourself in her shoes. Um, but it's still, yeah, it looks great. There's a, a lot of the, the movies done somewhat in like flashback because it's recounting the incident and it's yeah, I guess it's just a little bit different approach than Spencer, even though it does feel very similar, like the the mood and everything, and the way it it looks and yeah. the score and all that. They feel very reminiscent, but actually, when I think about it, this is more done like in a almost like an interview style with flashbacks. Spencer is like you're kind of living the moment with that character over the course of the weekend. Yeah. And it's also chronological too, like a clear start and finish that is a straight through line. Yeah. So while while they feel similar, they are pretty different in the way that they're constructed. Um, Yeah. I just think Spencer works a little bit better, but I do really like Jackie overall. I think it's, I I don't know why I like Spencer so much more. I, I think it is just what I said earlier with, just maybe a little bit easier to 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 get what he's going for versus this one. How did you watch it? Is it streaming somewhere? Uh, I bought the Blu-ray. It was on sale, so I think oh, I have okay. it. It might be on my Vudu now. I think I put the code on there. Oh, okay, sweet. If not, you might though, give it a poke then. I can. But yeah, that's how I watched it. Um, I think that's it for me. That's it for Jackie, or that's it for uh, content? That is it. We fed the beast in Earth. Yep. Sweet. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Next episode, uh, unsure exactly when we'll record it, but at the very least, we'll be doing uh, the Barbenheimer double feature, um, which, you know, we can talk more about the Barbenheimer thing uh, when we record that episode, but... That'll be the well, next one. We could potentially do two separate episodes for them. Oh, one for Barbie, one for Oppenheimer, just because of the timing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can talk about it, see what the what our schedules look like. I know I'm seeing Oppenheimer a week late, but I could probably swing an episode in between for the two. Barbie, yeah. Right. Yeah, we'll talk offline and see. Uh, and I f- have a do. feeling we're going to want to dedicate a decent chunk of time to both of those movies. What, are you saying you don't want a four-hour episode? We used to do not those all the time. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm not opposed, but part of me feels like we just uh, we just need to hit record more often, you know? That's fair. All right. Well, we'll talk offline and do uh, do some scheduling and see what we want to do. But that should work. 
So anyway, at the very least, Barbie on the next episode. Potentially Barbie Oppenheimer. Potentially Barbie Oppenheimer Mission Impossible. Potentially Barbie Mission Impossible. You know, the world is our oyster. We'll have to wait and see what we ultimately end up doing. And I'm assuming we'll try and get at least one guest for each of those discussions. Yes, we will do our best. Uh, Maybe we can uh, see what old Tommy Boy's doing. I'm sure we got Paris as an option. Mm-hmm. I know she's seeing both movies opening weekend, so uh, we'll see who we can get on those episodes. But that's what's coming down the pipe. So that's going to do it for this episode, though. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back soon. Catch you later. Bye.